What's going on, everyone? Welcome to an episode of For the Love of Cinema. This is going to be one of the spinoff episodes where we have a chat with someone in the industry. And I'm going to introduce my friend, Mike Day, movie in Pittsburgh extraordinaire. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. <laughs> Mike Day, my friend. It's been a long time coming trying to get you on the show. I'll be honest. Yeah, I've been dodging you for years now, it feels like. Thank you for that, Mike Day. You, you know how my, you know how my insecurities are just flared up so easily. Oh, yeah, I like to poke at it. <laughs> well, Mike Day, I um, this is a so this is a spinoff episode where we just talk about you know casually. Uh, I'm trying to get more interviews with people in the industry or chats rather, not really interviews, but um, Mike Day is, I am pretty successful in the industry but i like to think it's because of the early help of mike day um got me jobs um recommended me to people when they asked him and that was some of the valuable stepping stones i needed in accounting to move up and now i travel a lot uh but i took a show at home my mom's health isn't the best but i wanted to do a show at home and um it's nice to be among pittsburgh people again and not on the road, but uh, where are you these days, Mike Day? Uh, I'm currently in New Jersey, and we just wrapped. Uh, a sh- well, we're not fully wrapped, but we just finished principal photography up here. And actually, I fly to Miami tomorrow for a one-day pickup shot um, in Miami to for the conclusion of our film. Now you don't have to say exactly what it is, but you're, you're working on a, a a streaming or a studio film. Uh, well, this one, it's an independent, but we um, have a, like a universal is going to pick it up for distribution. Okay. Wait, that's, you guys already know that for sure? Yes. Oh, good. Okay, I don't good think the guy. public does. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you, do you, are you comfortable saying who's in it or what it's about, or is that just not okay? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's called The Kill Room. It's got Uma Therma, Samuel L. Jackson in it. And it's a great little uh, dark comedy thriller that kind of takes place in the art world and how an art gallery owner kind of slowly gets tied into the underground, you know, mafia world in New York and New Jersey area. And kind of how the two worlds, you know, as far apart as you think they are, they actually have a lot of similarities. And we kind of see how that how they kind of heads clash together and um, how they actually overlap a lot and how they're, you know, not one necessarily better than the other. The more I think about it, Sam Jackson is a damn national treasure, and he will do Sam Jackson. Uma Thurman is a good combination. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. And this is their first time back together since uh, Pulp Fiction. I was gonna say it's Pulp Fiction was in the '90s, so it's been thirty some years almost. Gee, Louise. Yeah. But yeah, it was great seeing them on screen together. It's like the chemistry is still there, and yeah, I mean, and Samuel Jackson, he's just as cool as they come. He just walks in. He's just like, man, that guy. He's cool. <laughs> I can imagine he's got a he's got an awesome swagger about him. Oh yeah, just walking down the street, you can be like, "Holy shit, Samuel Jackson's got swag." <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, Mike Day, this episode coincides well with a new theatrical release. Uh, one of the last ones you worked on in accounting, as I understand it, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Top Gun Two is one of my last ones in accounting. What was your position on that one? Uh, yeah, I was the first assistant accountant. Oh, that was, oh, 
first. I'm really worried about being a first, but I just I don't want to do it. But I don't know how you did it. <laughs> I know you and I are very similar the way we think, uh, and I can understand uh, if you didn't like it, I won't like it either. But how many movies did you do as a first? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I, only a handful, actually. I got very lucky where. I was, you know, the first on big studio movies, which kind of set me up to be an accountant on smaller indie movies. Um, and actually, you know, I kind of jumped over, right? Because, you know, Borat 2, I was the accountant on that. And that, you know, even though with all the high name, big names in it and everything was technically a really like low budget indie. And so my account experience from like Top Gun, I went straight over and like did Borat 2 as a head accountant. Because, you know, oh, on something that small, I could the experience I had as a first on the bigger ones kind of translated over because you're doing so much on those big ones. And so, yeah, so I really didn't I, I, I was very fortunate where I got to move up kind of quick, learn what I needed and then just kind of leverage over to another position. Yeah, I noticed that you were on, on first for very long, which is good. I mean, as I said, I keep telling people Mike Day is going to be president of the world one day. <laughs> Well, just just other movies, hopefully. <laughs> you got so much. You got like twelve helpings of charisma when you were born, and other people <laughs> only got one. <laughs> yeah, I dipped into everyone else's. <laughs> You're so goddamn likable. It, ugh, ugh. It's Jeez disgusting, really. right? <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So yeah. let's talk about Top Gun for a minute. Um, I. You know, I know that you and I think very similarly, and you and I we see we see pretty close, pretty eye to eye on most uh, most movies, especially most big movies. And Top Gun is no exception. I think I was beside myself, so happy that this big budget movie was as good as it was. I think that's very rare. Yeah, I mean, especially you know, there I mean, there's so much riding on this sequel and you know they've been talking about this for decades like it's always been in the works you know tony scott's always kind of talked about it and i know tom cruise was always kind of like against the franchises except for a mission and so i just feel like it was this had to be right it, this had to be perfect or they weren't going to make it and i think that's what really what tom cruise kind of brought to the table is he found a way to make it perfect and it just i mean they took their time making it and you if you look at their schedule i mean they were shooting it for I don't know, like a year and a half, almost two years. And just to get it all right. And just, there's so many little pieces and, you know, they would be filming, you know, in a 12 hour day, they might be lucky if they got 10 seconds of good footage for some of those shots, you know, on some of those, really? on the aircrafts and stuff. Oh yeah. So yeah, they'd oh, be out filming all day long. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. And then they, you know, they were lucky if they got 10 seconds of good footage that day. So no, it just, it was like, a just took a lot of time and a lot of effort. And uh, I mean, they got the best of the best and, yeah, it was a it's a special movie. I think they knew that going in. They knew they had to make it right, and so that's why they were they took their time with it and make sure they did it right. It's such a departure from the original Top Gun when it was still kind of technologically handicapped a little bit. Um, even movies just a couple years later looks aerial combat looks so much better than it did in Top Gun. But Top Gun was eighty six means it was shot in eighty five. Um, I just rewatched it and I did notice it in some of those aerial combat scenes when they'd fire a missile, it would cut away to the shot of like the static air. And then like a missile just goes right through it on the right side of the frame every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the old insert shot. 
but yeah. things are so different now. It just, <clears throat> it's, it's just faster paced and it just, it seems more real because I think of the faster paced n- nature of, of how we've come to shoot and edit film. Well, I mean, also keep in mind too, though, it's like, you know, between, you know, 86 and now, like, and I mean, every other movie is still in CGI. And the reason this one feels so real is because they're not using CGI. They're, they are really up there. They are using the real planes and they're, you know, they're not using the green screen and stuff. And I think that does give you that feeling of it being real. Cause I mean, it is real. And like, as much as we try to make CGI look great in real life, like, and whatnot, at the end of the day, like, as the audience, I mean, I can still see it. And like, it's, it's kind of odd. You're just like, Oh yeah, I can still kind of tell that that's green screen or like, that's, you know, something's done there or manipulated in some form or fashion. But when watching top gun, you're like, yeah, I don't, I, you don't see any of that. Cause then there isn't any of that. That's right. Yeah. I, I've long thought that Hollywood is at least putting some money into trying to make, trying to make people digital movie stars that look yeah. and feel the same as real movie stars. And one day we're not going to be able to tell a difference, but we're not there yet. I mean, you can definitely tell even the best CGI to a real person. You can still definitely tell which one is the real, which one is the CGI. Yeah. Yeah. But one day we'll be there. <laughs> yeah. One day. <laughs> Cause I mean, day. even like you, you look at like the Irishman and stuff, like you can see like they're doing the de-aging and even that's still not perfect. You know? No, that was actually pretty bad. In yeah irishman oh. and so like even like when you're still using a composite on top of a real life human like they're still not able to make that look seamless no you're you're right and it's, it's just no substitute for the real thing which in top gun it it matters it really does yeah. matter i mean it especially with the the credentials of what you're watching i, I think it really does matter 100 percent. yeah <laughs> um can you we just so we just did an episode on this an hour and a half an hour and 45 minutes talking about top gun and we just gushed over it i mean there's there's some problems with top gun i gave it a 10 i i do think it deserves it one of the few movies that actually deserves a 10 but i mean a 10 doesn't mean a movie's perfect it just means it's a damn good movie a damn good example of what hollywood can pump out given the given the the, the careful focus time and script um, now everyone can see what is on screen. Can you give a little insight to where some of the money may have gone on the accounting side? Now, as an example, I was reading some of the factoids and I read that it was like $11,000 an hour to do for, to the Navy to do some of that aerial combat stuff. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, and that's one thing I, you know, we kind of learned I, that was new for me. It was like, you know, the Navy, they actually donate a lot for, like for free. And like, cause you know, it's the taxpayer, it's taxpayers dollars that are paying for that stuff, but there still is a price tag that comes with it. Like, you know, you don't, they don't get fuel for free and stuff, you know, even though we pay for our taxes, pay for the, you know, the F-18s and F-35s and the ships and all that stuff. But, you know, they're not gonna give us all that fuel for free and they're burning through so much fuel. And like, you know, there's also like, there's just a lot of little, a lot of moving parts, you know, that you just have to coordinate with the logistics of it all. And a lot of that costs money. And yeah, like you're spending like $11,000 for an hour of flight time when it comes down to it. And that's us getting it on a deal. That's insane. How much, I mean, can you say what, I mean, I can Google 
Top Gun Maverick budget, and it'll tell me a certain number. But that doesn't judging from movies I've worked on, and I have the budget, and I see the and I see the actual budget. When I Google it, it's never the same. It's very often not the same. But do, can you tell us what the budget was for that movie was, or do you or do you not want to do that? Well, I it's you know what I mean. I you know it, it's definitely. I'll tell you this: the budget started out somewhere in like the mid, like you know, like somewhere like around like let's say. 150 million ish, you know, and, you know, it went through COVID times and all that stuff. So where that budget ended, like I got to a certain point where I know, like, it just got to a point where it's like, we're just tracking costs now. And the budget kind of had to go out the window a little bit. Um, That's what happens in so many movies. It just, it just happens, you know, you pick up shoot days, you have to shoot weekends, you, you, these extraordinary costs you didn't, you never factored in or like a thing. And it's just, most budgets balloon way out of proportion pretty quick. Right. I would, I would imagine anyway, and especially on bigger films. Oh my God. It's insane. Yeah. And then, yeah, this oh. one just got, you know, you're making one of the most expensive movies right now, but then you get hit with COVID and you have like, you know, some of the highest paid crew, you know, your budget's just going to go up with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Of course. And some of the, you said some of those guys were on there for a year and a half. Oh yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Good for them. <laughs> a small <laughs> fortune on that. Maybe can retire at <laughs> Top Gun. That's pretty cool. So what, where would you tell us all the places it was shot? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, Cause you know, we were using different Navy, different bases all and up and down the coast of California. Um, you know, I mean, our, our main point was, you know, we were down there in San Diego for a lot of it. Um, and, and then we got, you know, on the, they, have this, they have their base down there. And then I'm trying to think. Then we took the ship. We were on the ship that was docked at San Diego. We took that out into the water for a week to film all of those opening scenes and stuff. And then from there, you know, we were in South Lake Tahoe. That would be like the winter scenes and stuff that you saw. And then... You know, we we're just like I said, San Diego, uh, El Dorado County, which is like out up north in California, like, and that's just another base area. Somewhere in the Sierra as well, which is another Navy base. Um, that's insane. Inyo Kern, jeez. Yeah, then there's like Inyo Kern Airport, which was like had some hangar stuff, and that was also, I mean, you know, talk about the accounting side too. You know, when you're tracking budgets, you have to flag what what town or county you're in for the accounting side and so we're every day we're looking at the receipts we're like okay well what county were they in like you know where's this air base where's this one and like sometimes you look at the pc top sheet and each receipts from a different county because of all the traveling we we're doing so much of that's insane well i mean just yeah i mean i'm used to like especially here in pittsburgh you're you're used to receipts from like one state one county i can't imagine having all these different same state but well, maybe not, maybe multiple different states, but I mean, all these different counties and all these different tax, you have to break out all these taxes and it's just, my goodness. Yeah. Like I've never had so many flags for tax ca- accounting than on this one. It was pretty, mm. it was pretty insane. <laughs> did you get to meet the cast? Did, did, did Tom Cruise ever come in the production office or did he stay away because of COVID? No, this was all pre, like, um, like pre COVID. Um, we, we uh, actually built a mock, cockpit in the office and um so we had offices in santa monica right next to jerry bruckheimer's offices 
And so we had this one big open room where the art department had all like, you know, the art stuff up and like the looks and everything and the locations and sets that they were dressing. And in the middle of the room, we built uh, like out of wood, a cockpit for, you know, an F-35. And the one day, you know, Chris McQuarrie, um, John Krasinski and, you know, Jay Bruckheimer and Tom, they all came in and like, they were actually planning out their shots on this cockpit. So I got to see them that day when they were doing that. And that was pretty cool. But, and that's where you kind of learn that, you know, like Tom Cruise, he doesn't skip any of the meetings. He's involved on every meeting to every little detail because he just cares that much about everything. And because in a way, like he's also, you know, it's important for him to know where the cameras are at too. Because, you know, when he's up in the air, it's not like they can move or adjust the camera. Like he needs to know where he needs to be in the frame. So right, like, yeah. So like there, there, there's a lot of time spent just like on the ground. Like, okay, now this is where you need to be for this shot. Cause this is where the camera's locked off. And so that was exciting. Like, you know, you could just see, I saw him that day going over that stuff and that was pretty cool. And then there was another day. I didn't see him this day, but it was really funny. Cause I, you know, he has a motorcycle. He likes to drive around and he takes with him wherever. And one day, it's like he has an entourage of like, you know, his all his assistants and people. And there's like five or five or eight people that came running in one day and be like, hey, have you seen Tom Cruise? We're like, no, why? We're like, I don't know. He left on a motorcycle. We're trying to find him. So like <laughs> they, they thought maybe he came back to the office or something. But he, I don't know, he might just went out joyriding. We don't know. But like they were coming in like because like their job is to kind of meet him wherever he lands. And they had no idea where he was going to land. So. I feel like that's very Tom Cruise-ish to do. <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man geez some of those some of the behind the scenes stuff like just so interesting hearing all these things i just saw the movie and i knew like all these things that would have had to go to put it together even before like googling all the factoids from uh, top gun maverick all these things would have had to go together what's your yeah. most memorable set piece like did you generate you absolutely saw some of the sets that you were built you know you definitely saw some of them right yeah, you know, um, the bar that they built, like, um, um, the, it's called the Upper Deck, I believe they called it in the movie. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually, like, um, it looks almost identical. There is a real, like, Navy bar they all go to. And now they look like they built this one, but they built it on the beach in San Diego. And, like, we were supposed to tear it down. But, like, it was such a real, such a well-done set. And, like, it was, like, fully functioning that the Navy asked us just to leave it because they are going to use it. And so like all those opening bar scenes, like that was a set that was built from scratch on the, on the beach, on the base at the beach. And it was really cool. And just, I mean, you can just see on screen the amount of detail and layers. Cause that's one thing, you know, especially in the set dressing world is like, you start noticing how many layers, like that's what makes it look more realistic is not just a row of like photos, but like multiple rows. So, you know, like it shows things come, it's been aged, it's been there for a while and people have been in there for a long time. And you could just see the amount of detail they spent to age it and make it look like that bar has been part of the Navy for decades. That's so cool. Even like, I never, I never tire of seeing sets on all these shows I go on to. I just was working in Atlanta on that show, uh, The First Ladies. And I don't think it's being received very well, but when I was walking on some of those sets, I, if I had closed my eyes and opened them, I would have thought I was in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's really awesome. it's just so many talented people build these sets and and the little down to like the details of the floorboards being properly aged 
to look like it, they've been there for a long time. It's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. No matter what set you're on, it's incredible. I've always, you know, really appreciated the, the crafts of the film industry because they're so important to it. Yeah. And just, yeah, the amount of detail they have to go into for it all. What, um, what is your favorite part of Top Gun Maverick? Um, really, I mean, it, it's the aerial shots. It's like, I mean, you know, you can just, I'm just, I'm just like they, they put you in the cockpit in a way that even like the first one put you in a cockpit, you know, the first one puts you in the cockpit in a way that was never done before in like 1986, I feel like. And, you know, that was one thing that I think was most exciting about this was like, you know, we have much, you know, smaller cameras, much more like maneuverable. We can do a lot more with the cameras now that we could back then. And you could just kind of see the angles and shots that they were able to get that, you know, we've never been able to do before. And so like, to me, it was just so much fun watching just all the, the aerial shots and the dog fighting and just them racing through the mountain, trying to beat that, you know, two and a half second clock. And as they're just practicing That's, and watching those, was, you know, it was really those, cool too. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was like, I'm on the edge of my seat, like gripping the, you know, the armrest. And, and just really put you, you, no in, doubt put you watch in this moment. in a, you know, no doubt watch this in IMAX. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, you have to watch it. Was it glorious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's amazing. Like my seat shook for some of those scenes. Oh, it was yeah. glorious. I loved it. For, yeah, for, for me, it was the, it was the emotional resonance of a man who was still paralyzed by losing a friend and not really ever coming to terms with it. I mean, I think if you argued that Top Gun 2 was a redemption story, you could make that argument that, you know, I mean, he's been carrying this ghost with him for so long and he's finally able to not only let it go, but redeem himself with the man's son. And of course with Penny, like, Mm-hmm. Penny's a throwaway name in the first Top Gun. Oh, Penny the Admiral's daughter. Ha ha ha, Maverick. Maverick with the Admiral's daughter. Hilarious. And then, mm-hmm. of course, she comes back in such a big way. I don't think it would have been possible to bring back Kelly McGillis, though. I don't, for what I mean, if <laughs> you can, a, a quick search, and I think it'd be pretty apparent why, but. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah, obviously that, but like, you know, in, even in terms of story, you know, it also just makes sense that she's not there. Cause like, like you said, like he was crippled by his past and, you know, in a lot of situations like that, like that drives people away, like loved ones away. Like if he's stuck in the past, how can he move on with his wife or girlfriend or whatever? Eventually she's going to come to a breaking point and have to move on, which I feel like that, you know, they did, they did a good job of not showing that, not needing to show that because it just kind of makes sense that, you know, this pilot, he's like I said, it, like, you know, in the one scene, the John Hamm character is like, you know, you've never moved on. You should be, a, you know, a captain by now, but here you are, you know, or more than no, captain, he is a captain. He was. should be like a third Lieutenant or something general, like a yeah. two-star general. Yeah. He's like, and he's like, here you are. And so it's like, yeah, he just never got a chance to move on. And so I think, like you said, like he's just kind of crippled by his past and, I think that also affects his love life and his relationships. And he, that's why I see like he has that hanger to himself where he works on a plane. Like he's got no one. <laughs> and then even, that's... you know, with the Penny character, like they did a good job showing that, you know, they did have a little bit of history, but it's still his past still held him back from moving on with that. Well, what I appreciated the older I get in movies and, and with the well-written and of course with, 
you know, Cruz really having a handle on the character. Christopher McQuarrie involved. Um, some of these writers, Ern Kruger and even Joseph Kosinski, the, the, the director, they're all very capable in their craft. And what I appreciated is the simple, of course, when Rooster is playing the piano and Tom and, and Maverick just got tossed out of the bar, he hears it, which of course triggers a very powerful memory. And then he looking or he's seeing it, but he's really in that moment, he is hundred percent crippled. He's unable to do yeah. anything. And Penny's looking around smiling, giving out beers. And then she sees him and he's genuinely still crippled by that moment. And then she sees, well, she sees a part of him that she's not yet seen before. Because I mean, word it were to take that Maverick has started things with Penny several times and then just ghosted for a while, went away for a while and came back and did it again. I mean, that's what we get out of this movie. And then of course this time Maverick's like, no, I'm not leaving again. You and I were going to be a thing. I'm not going to walk away from you again, which is a beautiful scene with the daughter. Very simple, very understated. And it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But he was only able to do that after he reconciled with um, Goose's son. Of course, but that was what that's the ghost of his past that he's finally able to reconcile with. I don't know was was do you have any insight as to why we didn't try to bring the mom back? Oh, you know, actually no. I mean, I read I did like I mean nothing more than the the audience can't find online because I, I was curious about that myself, so I had to look it up and you know, I just read an interview with Tom saying that it just didn't fit the story. Like they just, you know, they're moving on in a new direction and just the story they're trying to tell didn't call for these characters to come back into play, which I mean, yeah, like I think if you if you do watch, like when you watch it, you see that, like, yeah, the story is about is more between him and the son, and not so much his friend's wife, widowed wife. Right. I mean, that makes sense, especially in a movie when you bring back everything. That's that's saying something to not bring back the mom character when you brought back literally everything else. And if if she's a detriment to the story, then you just can't bring her back. Yeah. It's, it was very in- interesting to see that they didn't bring her back. I thought for sure they would. I mean, even well, not I think, as yeah. Ryan, but someone else. But yeah, but I think if they were going to, like, you had to pick and choose. Like, you, you, it wouldn't make sense to have two prominent female supporting roles with only one being a love interest. You know what I'm saying? Like, it. I think you have to delegate screen time to what's more important. Is it going to be the love interest or, you know, this storyline with his best friend's wife? But out of that storyline, it's more about the son. Definitely. If that makes sense. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, no, <laughs> with the same <laughs> awful mustache. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Miles Teller. Yeah. Man, it's just, I'm so glad you worked on that because it's just one of those things. Now, of course, I, I give all these creative decisions to you the credit. I give Mike Day the credit. Absolutely, Mike <laughs> Day gets all the credit. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> One day, Mike Day. One day, you and one I day. still have to correlate on a on a movie together. We'll make one together. I'm just waiting. The dream, man. Give me a call anytime. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike, Mike, Mike. Um, was there ever talk about another one, or does this or does this close out the Top Gun saga pretty well? Uh, yeah, there definitely wasn't any talk of another one, and I'd say just as a fan or an audience member. Like I just don't. To me, like this is the end chapter. I mean, I would. I guess I've always wanted to see a sequel, and 
I like I, now I've seen it and I don't want to ever see another one, I guess. Cause you know, like also like you see in the very opening how like they're talking about, you know, the next phase of what their jobs are is going to drones. So it's like, if, if that's going to be a story they tell, I don't think we need to tell it. You know what I mean? I think they found a way to keep them in the cockpit, the human, like the pilots in the cockpit for this one last time. I think if they do another one, they have to move out of that and into the drone world. And that just would not be a fun story like this. Well, no, it, we've already seen that. I mean, wasn't that a movie stealth in like 2005? Yeah, I, I think, And but like it, that's without the human element, you don't really have a story. Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah, you just had a drone. If it goes down, no one cares. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's for the taxpayers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> especially the taxpayers. Especially the taxpayers. Oh yeah. boy. Um, what? So how how long was this movie in the can before it came out? Um. Oh, that's a good question. Because this movie was delayed guess, several times. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like I think it was originally supposed to come out in 2019, if, I, if I'm correct, if I believe so, right? Or 2020. It's been it's, it's at least two years they've been sitting on it. I think 2020 was the first time and then they pushed it and then they pushed it and they pushed it. And now, because it was supposed to be July 4th, then it was November, the July of 2020. Then because of everything that happened, they pushed it. And then it was supposed to be November. They pushed it again. No, it was supposed to be Christmas. It was like December 13th. Yeah, you're right. It was Christmas. That's right. Yeah. And then it got pushed, and then it got pushed all the way through 2021, I guess because if you're going to, you might as well just wait for the world to be somewhat normal again. Yeah. If you're going to push it two times, just wait until COVID's done, or at least close. Yeah, and just wait until you can get everyone in the theaters. And like that's saying, like, I think that was also kind of Tom's personal mission was to get people back to theaters. And you, you can tell by the numbers, it kind of worked. Like this is, I think, I think this was his biggest opening weekend movie so far. Yeah, ever, ever. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost at 600 million, which is very respectable given what it is. Extremely respectable. It's gotten two viewings out of me. And I know it's got several viewings out of some of my friends on IMAX. This movie is, is amazing on IMAX. It's one of the, it's one of the prettiest things I've ever seen on those. 8k imax screens it's incredible it's just <laughs> yeah it's it's amazing i plan on watching it a third time if, if i can fit it in this week or next i'll because nothing nothing came out this weekend to push it out <laughs> well, nothing is, yeah well, yeah i definitely i've only seen it once so far in theaters and I, I i plan to go back again this coming this next weekend coming up and i mean one thing i want to touch on we're almost out of time but how you and i both love the big budget stuff we 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 love it. I mean, I, I yeah. feed on it. You feed on it. We've had we've had numerous conversations, more conversations that I can count on my fingers and my toes about <laughs> how much we love big budget, and we just want to make these big ass budget movies. And this is, I was after the so the first time I saw this movie, when the when the credits were rolling, there were tears coming down my eyes because two things: how well this big budget script worked. And secondly, how well it tied to the original Top Gun. You know, it just people were yeah. talking about this the the big hundred million hundred million plus dollar budgets experiences are 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 done because they just they're not any good anymore. 
And this is proof right. that they can live again. It, man. Yeah. I loved it. They just need to be done right from the get go, you know, with the right good. They, I mean, the core of everything, you just need a good story. A lot of days they just kind of rush through that and that's what hurts it. I think. And I have no doubt that, I mean, I'm willing to bet my life that Jurassic Park Dominion will be a turd. I just, oh. <laughs> I have Fallen Kingdom disappointed me so much. I can't even begin to tell you, but on coming off the back of Top Gun, Jurassic World's going to wish it hadn't. It's, it's going to yeah. be, it's going to wish it hadn't. Yeah. I mean, it's I kind of, I, I unfortunately gave up on those movies. Like I, I watched, I think the first one, maybe the second one, but it's just, they're not the same as the original Jurassic Parks. And yeah, I mean, in terms of story, they don't even come close to what, what Top Gun pulled off. You know, no, no. Even some of those subtle nuances, Jurassic, the two first two Jurassic Park movie or Jurassic World, didn't do anything. I mean, there's almost no subtle nuances, and then Top Gun Maverick is is built on subtle nuances. That's what's so great about yeah. it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so good. <laughs> well, what as we close out, Mike Day? What else do you want to say about Top Gun Maverick? I mean, it was like it was just. I mean, it's the movie I've always wanted to work on or be a part of and have like my name in the credits and like, you know, just being a part of a movie like that. Like, cause like that was, you know, seeing the first Top Gun as a kid, my cousin had it on VHS and we borrowed it all the time and just watch it over and over again. And then just having the chance to work on it, like that was just something very special to me. And just, you know, just, I mean, it just reminds me of times watching that original with my brothers and my dad and it just, you know you know, seeing my name in the credits, I got teary eyed. It just, it just brought back a lot of emotions. I didn't even know I had for it, you know? And it really was just, I mean, I've been, a, I've been a part of a lot of great movies that I'm, I'm proud of, but nothing like this one. And this one just really set a new level of what I want to strive for in terms of movies I want to make. Well, and I think it really kind of just kind of, yeah. You're a producer now. I mean, you're not too many years away from working on these big budget Hollywood movies. Fingers crossed. I hope so. <laughs> Mike Day, you, I wish I could strangle you right now. My goodness, you have that wonderful charisma that's going to carry you to the fucking moon. Jeez, oh, I'm hey, so it be a moon movie with Tom Cruise, hopefully. <laughs> there you go. I'm so jealous of you, man. Um, I can say that, even though you've helped me get to where I am, and it's it's pretty substantial. But uh, hey, hey, yeah, no, did, you do good work, so I like having you around, you know? Like you always you always get those little jabs when you can definitely i try can. what, like what your what's feet, your next yeah. what's your next like something you know what's on the horizon that you know you definitely want to be part of oh um hmm. i mean honestly i've been so focused on what i'm on right now it's been taking up all my bandwidth that i've been i'm just kind of waiting for this one to wrap so i can get a breather and then focus on the next thing there you go um so yeah, that's a that's a tough answer right now. I'd say I'm still still too heavily involved in the one I'm on right now. That's super cool, though. I mean, you're in a place that a lot of people wish they were, myself included. So I mean, I mean, every most high school kids wish they could be filmmakers. It's just that <laughs> simple. I mean, and you're you're living that dream, my friend. It's yeah, it's a well, great hey. thing. Yeah, it's, I mean, I love it, and it's yeah a lot of hard work, but it's a lot of fun, and I'm happy to happy to keep doing it. <laughs> Just one last thing on producing. So you're producing this small feature. Is it a lot of producers talk about like, it's just, it's a 24 hour day job. It just never ends. Yeah. Especially on these small ones like this. Um, when you're like, like we're a tier one film, 
like you know and the problem with those ones is just you know it's you don't you don't have you like you don't have enough staff i'd say so you're just wearing a lot of hats and like you're just double checking everything and just you know you're asking a lot of everybody and just constantly having to so yeah it is a 24 hour job like and, and like 7 days a week cuz you know you're filming all week long and then like it's long days and then by the time you get to the weekend that's when you have the chance to kind of catch up on all the things you've been missing throughout the whole week and then that just opens up another whole can of worms and so you spend all week catching up on stuff and then pre- also prepping for the next week the following week and so i mean it's just yeah it's just non-stop on these little ones and just all hands on deck and you know i mean even though like i'm producing i you know i'm doing a lot of pa work on it too you know you can't be you can't look down on that stuff. You have to be willing to do it all or get your hands dirty just to get it done. Good for you. Humble. Yeah. Thy name is Mike Day. Humble. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Mike Day, for this little, um, this little, I would call it an interview. I just call it a conversation. I hope more in the future. Um, definitely want to get your insight on several more movies and or industry jobs. If you'd be willing to help me out with that, I would be. Yeah, Absolutely. Anytime. I'd love to come back and talk some more. It's a lot of fun. We should definitely talk about some movies in the past that we both love. And I mean, now that you're looking at it from a different point of view, you see movies differently than most people. You're on like the, you're on the money side of it. So it'd be interesting to hear a different angle about them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause yeah, when I watch them, that's all I think about. And I'm like, Oh, how many extras in this scene? Like how much is that costing? And you know, just like things like that, that my mind's always thinking about. All right. This has been a conversation with Mike Day, who was the first assistant accountant on Top Gun Maverick, which just came out and, you know, was making a few bucks in the box office. And (laughs) if you want to listen to the episode we just recorded on For the Love of Cinema, it will post. It already has posted. If this posted, it posted on June 7th uh, at 5 a.m. on all the podcast services. So check that out if you want to hear our analysis of the movie and how much we loved it. I gave it a 10. Spoiler. Again, thank you, Mike Day, for joining us. And oh, Mike Day, what would you give it? I'd, I'd give it a 10 out of 10. Easy. Nice. Nice. Or maybe like a 20 out of 10. There you go. There's that little Mike Day spin. There it is. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Thank you again. 